In this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Diva Nagula by Beautiful Waterfalls during our biannual Ancestral Knowledge Retreat in Colombia. We shared a conversation about his journey of healing from cancer. It's a powerful story that gives insight into the connection of body, mind, and spirit for optimal health and our incredible ability to heal. This is a voice for you that have known what it is to be sad and submerged in a depth enveloped in darkness and apparently without a clear direction. This is a voice for you that from some point of your being, you have raised the cry of help to whoever can hear you in this universe. This is a voice for you that just like the caterpillar or the lotus, you are ready to be reborn and flourish, sustained by the glory, beauty, and power of the love of this universe that is contained forever in your heart. Welcome to the Ancestral Knowledge Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I am here with Dr. Diva Nagula, who is an amazing human being. He has recently published a book called From Doctor to Patient, and it's a really inspiring story. I've been reading it, and it has been so inspiring, such a powerful account on his experience with cancer and how he healed himself holistically and what that whole experience, how it changed his life. So I'm really happy to be here with him today and now I'll hand the space over to him to for him to introduce himself and tell you about himself. Thank you Laura for having me on your guest as your guest on your show. I don't know where to begin. Wow. Well, a little bit of a discussion or introduction about me. So, I'm a physician and I was in the practice of interventional pain management for many, many years and because of major major burnout and stress that I was going through, I had to exit my practice and basically find who I really was. But the unfortunate thing that happened to me was that about a year after I exited my practice and I wasn't working at the time and I had just gotten married and I was ready to turn the page, um, you know, turn the chapter in my new life and explore and try to have a family. And that was what I was looking forward to after I exited my practice. But unfortunately, I ended up having a diagnosis of stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that was a a really surprise to me because when I was diagnosed, I wasn't feeling ill. I was basically feeling pretty good. I was active. You wouldn't think that a person like myself at the state at that time, you would not think that I was diagnosed with cancer at all or looked like I had cancer. But in fact, it was brewing inside me for a quite a long time and it ended up being stage four. So I had to really explore myself and find, dig deep and figure out a lot of things to help heal myself. At the time, I dived into books and research to figure out what the cause of this cancer was. Typically, a lot of cancers are genetically defined and and you could trace the roots through genetics. But this specific cancer, it didn't have its roots through genetics. It was basically something that manifested as a result of my lifestyle practices. At the time, I was, and not at the time of diagnosis, but at the, the time prior to that, leading up to diagnosis, I led a life that was full of stress, a life that was full of anger, a life that was just heavy. And to even complicate it more, I was also living life where I wasn't treating my body well. My self-care habits was poor. I slept poorly. I you know, may have had four to five hours of sleep and I didn't exercise. But most importantly, my diet 
diet was very poor. I had horrible dietary habits. Uh, when I left high school and I was exposed to my mother's cooking, which she was vegetarian, my father were vegetarian, so I grew up in a vegetarian household, and I would eat a ton of vegetables, and it was at the time I was you know, kind of sick of it because I wanted to eat American food all the time, like my friends were. But when I left high school, that was really the last time I had had really steady, nourished meals. The only thing that I was eating on a regular basis that had proper nutrition was the scrap of lettuce on my burger. That was the level of nutrition that I had taken for myself. And as you probably already know, our food supply is disastrous. It's full of toxicity. It's full of pesticides. It's full of just awful toxins that have a a burden on our body. In fact, the cancer that I have or had, there's a connection with specific pesticide called Roundup. And it's a, it's a tem- chemical called glyphosate that has been shown recently that has a high correlation with the cancer that I have. And so that was, you can't really prove it, but there's been, in, in my instance, but I'm 100% positive that that had a role in my developing cancer. And then you add all the stressors in my life, that was just a perfect storm for having the diagnosis. I, I never had an idea of how to cope with stress. I never knew that. I, I was keeping everything internal. And my strategies were poor in terms of self-care, as I mentioned earlier. And I think I just, and I also didn't have a community. I was just me and my wife at the time. And at, before we got married, we were definitely, we were friends. And, and that was the one source of friendship that I had. But even that was troubled because it ultimately, my marriage failed after the diagnosis of cancer. But I didn't have a sense of community. I didn't have any friends that I was working with or, or hanging out with. I had no colleagues. So I learned as I was researching my cancer that a huge risk factor of mortality, more so than smoking and alcohol, is loneliness. And that was another contributing factor as to why I I developed cancer. And so as I was learning all this, I also wanted to take strategies to heal myself and hopefully not have have to go through chemotherapy. With my cancer, even though it was stage, stage four, I had some time where I could implement some strategies naturally to see if it could reduce and regress my cancer. And I had about three or four months and I did everything in the book. And the the good thing is at the time I wasn't working, so I didn't have that stress. I was just married. So it was, you know, we were in our honeymoon stages with our marriage. So everything was great in my life. I tried really hard to change my diet. In fact, I did. I went from eating processed foods all the time and sugars and foods that lacked any nutrition to an array of vegetables, to an array of healthy healthy foods. I no longer ate anything processed and things that were microwavable or things that were in packages because all that really is all packaged and full of just sugars and it's not healthy for you. And I just started eating more healthy stuff and I started to feel better as a result. My sleep started to improve uh, because there was so there was few toxins circulating in my body and, and I know that it was helping me. The issue was, was whether or not it was enough time for me to implement these strategies to regress my cancer. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So uh, and it's not because I didn't try and implement strategies because it was a little too late. The disease that I had probably was brewing for 10 years or plus, and it, I, it just needed the fuel to really get out of hand and grow into cancer, and, and I gave it the fuel, unfortunately. So I, um, I'm not upset at myself for trying to str- uh, implement strategies, or I don't feel that those strategies failed. It was just the cancer was just too strong at that time for anything to, to, have it, to help it regress. So unfortunately, I had to get through chemotherapy. And at that time, I'd given up because I thought I'd failed. 
and it, it was a negative mindset that I immediately had for myself and for my and for my plight, and which wasn't healthy for my body and my healing. I've also learned that positivity uh, in terms of outlook and having a positive mindset helps with your healing, helps with your your growth as an individual, and it's also contagious. If you have positivity about yourself, you're positive about everything around you, and even your associations with people and clients and whomever you deal with, it is transferable, and, and you want to be able to display positivity in all aspects of your life so other people can feed off of that. For me, it was I was negative. I mean, it ultimately ruined my marriage. I was so negative and so hard on my uh, myself, and it, I was such a downer, and I gave up. And it was because I didn't try. I didn't know any better. And I know now that that's such an important facet for healing and maintaining well-being is to be healthy, having a positive mindset. Those are two important things that you just need to have in life. Additionally, uh, as I was going through this process of chemo, I, I shut everybody out. I uh, didn't really uh, reach out to people. I was angry at God. I was angry at the world. I was angry. At just It was just, f I was full of rage and resentment. And this was not the way to live. I shut everybody else out. I was also doing research at the time. And the research that I've read was that loneliness is such a huge risk factor for mortality. It's even a, more of a risk factor than your typical risk factors that are smoking and, and alcohol consumption. And that was, that hit a huge light bulb that went off for me when I read that. So ultimately what got me out of all this was a, after I'd finished chemo and my therapy, I was relieved that it was over with, but then I was upset because I didn't know what to be angry at anymore. I didn't know how to live my life because for the previous six months, I was so upset and that's how I, that's what I used to fuel myself to get through the day. And that's to me is when I hit rock bottom, not when I was diagnosed, but when I was actually told that I no longer had the cancer. I, I didn't have anyone to share it with. I was all alone. My ex-wife, my, my wife had left me at the time and I had to dig deep and figure out what to do next. And what really got me out of it was someone reaching out to me. Um, and it was my trainer, as I talk about this in my book, is that he was the first person that a friendly face that wanted to help me start training my body again. And he was my personal trainer. And so we had so much fun and, and it was great to, to get those endorphins and those positive chemicals circulating through my body again. And so we started doing that. Then I started to feel more optimistic about life and I was in a better place. I was more motivated to get better and to learn more about myself. And so I continued doing the diet that I had done prior to being diagnosed because I really felt that that was an essential part of maintaining and, and being in a state of well-being. And I continued to heal myself physically. And as I was doing more and more strategies to help heal myself, I, I think I thought that there was something missing because by the book, I was doing everything right. But I was wondering, why am I lack, what am I lacking to, to get better? And it wasn't really until starting writing my book where I was exploring spirituality. And it was around this time where I, I had the other aha moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, to really attain well-being and to maintain well-being, you have to balance the mind, body, and spirit. That was the missing component of my life is spirituality because I shut God off. And it was through 
my exploration through plant medicine was how I discovered and started to understand more about spirituality and spiritual growth. And I'm, I grew up as a religious person. I'm in a religious household. My parents are devout Hindus, and I never really espoused the religion. I mean, I do follow it to a degree because it was just burned into my brain cells growing up. But I don't think of spirituality necessarily have a religious connotation. It's more about, in my, this is my opinion, it's more about having a sense of oneness with the universe and having a deep connection with the universe and having a deep connection with all life, including plants and animals and, of course, human beings. And that's what my take home was after doing plant medicine. And it wasn't but a few experiences that, that I was exposed to that. And as a result, my life has taken a turn in terms of my outlook and my function. I know I've reached a certain spiritual growth or enlightenment because my focus in life is really not about attaining power or attaining wealth or uh, like it was when I was younger and practicing. It's more about how I can be of service to others. And when I got that message, I felt that, okay, this is my spiritual growth. This is my calling. This is my enlightenment. And I later realized that people too who have gone through plant medicine or have who have achieved spirituality in a different way also have that same theme about being of service to others. And that's how we are. That's how what we are meant to be and function on this earth is to be of service and to be helpful to your fellow brother and sisters. And that's what I'm exploring now. And, and I'm, I'm exploring the best way how I can be of service to other people. And right now, uh, what I did was to write that book. And the book was meant for patients who were suffering from cancer or loved ones who were suffering from cancer. But now that I've actually had it released and I've had feedback, and there are so many people now that have read the book that don't have cancer, that are just inspired by the story and are inspired to not necessarily follow my footsteps, but are inspired to explore spirituality and to maintain a sense of well-being through balancing mind, body, and spirit. And so that's what I, I'm, I really want to foster and propagate in my life is promoting the book, promoting the tenets of its book, and more importantly is promoting spirituality. That's so beautiful, Diva. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's a really powerful story. And like I mentioned earlier, the book is really amazing. I highly recommend it. It's an easy read and um, it's suitable for all people. It's a really inspiring story and I'm sure you will learn a lot of great things from it. So the other thing I wanted to ask you is, so now that you have had this strong experience in your life and now you're on the other end of the experience, what would you say is your philosophy in life or what you try to live your life by like yeah what, what is your philosophy for life so my philosophy is find out more about yourself once you find out more about yourself you'll find out more about what your purpose is and then my philosophy now is shifted where now as I mentioned before it's to be of service to others and I think it's, it's as a development uh, as a realization of being enlightened spiritually and uh, that is really what has driven me to this new philosophy of being of service to others. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that's something like you mentioned that we all come back to is when you serve others, you're actually serving yourself. And when you work for others, you work for yourself. So it's really beautiful to always live by that and remember that. And if you're ever feeling lonely or anything like that, or feel like you need something in your life, then you work for others. Like do that for someone else. Make someone else feel good and that immediately makes you feel good. So it's a really beautiful message. My next question is what are some self-care practices that you have in your life now that you have implemented to keep you in balance 
experience and well-being. So the biggest thing that I've learned through my research about well-being is that stress is the key to all disease. Obviously, there's issues with toxins that we are exposed to in the environment or through our foods, but stress is a huge issue in terms of disease. And managing stress is what I've really learned to on a daily basis and what I try to measure. And the way I measure is through the monitoring of what's called heart rate variability. And heart rate variability is simply the adaptability of your central nervous system to stress. And if the number is low, it means that you really are in a sympathetic or fight or flight state. If And that's obviously you want to be away from that. If you have a high HRV, it, ref, it basically shows that you are in a more adapted state and more in a parasympathetic or rest or digest, or in other words, more in a relaxed, calm state. And I have a tendency to always be in fight or flight, and there's a, a reason behind that, and, and it's um, whether, I mean, this is my belief. I feel that I was born that way because my mother had sort of a, a rough trimester, third trimester, and I came out in fight or flight, and I never knew how to be soothed, and I never knew how to be calm. And so from the very beginning, when I first took my breath on this earth, I was living in a life of, of fight or flight, and which ultimately uh, fueled my chronic inflammation state, which ultimately led to cancer. So now it's about really learning and developing strategies to calm me and to raise my HRV. And currently what I do is uh, I employ pranayama, which is a lot of breathing exercises, and that is my form of meditation. The breathing itself helps me to control my stress levels, and it's almost the one thing that I've found that has an immediate impact on your level of stress. Breathing is the one activity and function that is controlled consciously and unconsciously. So we're able to manipulate that by um, doing breathing exercises. And so I, I do that. Other strategies now are I eat healthy. And I can't, and I, I mean, I'm not going to be someone who says you have to eat healthy 100% of the time. Um, it's a balance. And I'd say about 75% of the time I eat pretty clean. And the other 25%, well, you're living life. And I think if you're living life, you're you're happy. You're, you're doing the things that you want to do with people whom you care about and love. And that's that's a huge part of it too. So 25%, I, I, I cheat a little bit. But I still watch myself. I exercise. I have taken strategies to exercise and to develop and strengthen the deficiencies that I have. In our society, we live a lifestyle where we're on our phones. We're hunched over at our workstations. We work from home. So we have deficiencies in our, in our physical body where we've developed um, tendencies to be more dominant on one half of the body versus the other side. So I have developed uh, a routine where I dress the posterior side of my body, the back side of my body, to counteract the propensity to be more anterior dominant. That's been huge because I realized how much how weakness and deficiencies that I have in my in my in my back and the back of my legs and the posterior chain. And I've also realized that I have no core strength. And even though I I exercise and I'm, I consider myself as pretty active and, and playing sports, I don't have a core. That's that's and that's because I'm so used to using my back and being hunched over when I'm sitting down. And that is really going to take a toll on your physical body. And over time, it's just you're going to have this hunchback type of uh, figure um, that's going to be so difficult to reverse. So, and the other thing is, is that I, I just, everyone's going to have a different hack that is specific to them to increase their HRV and reduce their stress levels. So it's really about finding what resonates with you. Thank you so much for sharing. I wanted to ask you, how do you measure HRV? Like if someone wanted to 
learn about what their HRV is, how could they find out? So I use a device called an Aura Ring, and it's basically a ring that you wear, and it's a very good tracker. Uh, it tracks your your activity levels throughout the day. It tracks your sleep, and it measures your sleep in terms of how much deep sleep you get, how much REM sleep you get. It also measures how often you're waking up in the middle of the night. And so I've that's how I personally measure. There are other devices that are out there. This is the most easiest wearable device that I find because it's simply a ring that you place on your finger. And I don't take it off except for when I'm um, in the shower or if I, I don't, actually, I don't, that's the only time I actually take it off. And I live by the data that I that it incorporates on a daily basis. And by using that data, I'm able to manipulate or implement strategies in my life to, to increase my HRV. There are other devices, like I mentioned, um, HeartMath is an app that you can download and you have to also purchase some equipment and this will allow you to measure your HRV. There's another device called CoreSense. It's um, a device that you can actually place on the finger like an oxygen saturation mo uh, monitor and it'll measure your HRV at that moment. So that's also a good device. It's a lot cheaper than the ring, but it still, it still works okay for measuring HRV. But my preference is the Aura Ring. And the other thing is, is that if you are measuring an HRV, it's probably not a good idea to purchase and utilize multiple devices because they're all inconsistent and they all measure and incorporate data differently. So if you do buy a device, just stick with one and be consistent about it. Very cool. That's, that's really good information. Thank you. And lastly, the final question is, what message can you give to people who are going through a difficult time in their life? Maybe they're facing illness or maybe going through that period of uncertainty or anger or just hopelessness that you experienced. What would you tell them now that you have gone through your experience and you're on the other side? Yeah, great question. I would really offer that the best thing to do is to reach out to people, friends, family, trained therapists. When you shut yourself out to the world, that is truly when your problems are going to escalate. You need bonding. You need community. We as human beings are meant to be together. We're not meant to be alone. And it's oftentimes that just being around people can help you take your mind off of the problems that you're, that you're facing, or it can be a way of just being able to bounce ideas and to just dump your issues on someone and, and then have them help you. Sometimes it's just important to just be, be heard and not judged, and developing a sense of community, developing that community that's that resonates with you is so important. So that's what I would offer. It's such an easy thing to do and, and such a powerful thing, uh, an asset to have. Yes, amazing and so true. Definitely, we need each other. We need close relations and it's so important to be seen, to be heard and to feel like you're accompanied in your journey. So thank you so much for sharing that, Diva. It's been so nice to have you here sharing your story. Thank you for writing your book. Thank you for wanting to serve others. And I know that all your story has impacted and will continue to impact many lives. And so thank you for being here and for sharing with us. Thanks so much, Laura. I appreciate the opportunity. And if you're interested in finding out more about myself and my book and my podcast series, you can go onto my website is fromdoctortopatient.com. And I also have a Facebook page also called From Doctor to Patient as well as a podcast that it essentially talks about various healing modalities to help people heal themselves that aren't commonplace and that are slightly off the beaten path. Thanks again. Thank you everyone until next time many blessings and talk to you next week
more, visit www.ancestralknowledgeretreat.com. <laughs>